Hello, and welcome to HGTV Obsessed, your podcast for all things HGTV. Oh, you guys, today's episode is all about the dreaded B word. We are talking all about designing on a budget. Now, I know no one loves talking about budgets, but they are, unfortunately, unless you are a Kardashian, a necessary evil. And we have some experts on the podcast today that make it fun and interesting. I promise we're here for all your budget needs. First up, we have designer and host of the new HGTV show, 50K Three Ways, Tiffany Brooks, to talk about the insight and advice she gives homeowners when it comes to budget-friendly interiors. She is a damn delight, you guys. Then we talk to the host of the Decorating Tips and Tricks podcast, Kelly Wilkness, about her approach to designing within a budget and how to achieve that high style in your home at a low, low cost. I mean, today is basically champagne taste on a LaCroix budget not even beer. We're like, we're like a rung below beer. We're talking sparkling water. Anyway, I'm your host, Marianne Canada, executive producer and HGTV.com lifestyle expert. And when I'm not watching HGTV, you can find me making crafty videos for HGTV handmade gardening, cooking, or honestly, if you ask my husband, scrolling Facebook marketplace for chairs, I don't need who, what is need anyway? I've worked at HGTV for 14 years. And honestly, I thought I had heard and seen it all, but I was surprised at the creative ways our guests elevate spaces without compromising their budget boundaries. Okay, Marianne, let's take a pause for a producer Brad question. <laughs> yes, everyone, this is Brad, <laughs> the, um, the voice of God. I just I'm cu- I'm very curious because I'm obsessed with your house your your house that you bought from your grandmother. Oh, thanks. Um, what's the next space in the house that you're hoping to tackle, and have you assigned a budget to it yet? Well, that's a really good question. Also, I feel like the longer I do this podcast, the more it's going to become like a drinking game to see how many times I mention that I bought my grandmother's house. Guys, did you know I bought my grandmother's house? (laughs) I'm renovating it. Okay, so what's next on our to do list? So we have some big outdoor projects, which are shockingly expensive, truly. But the most pressing is when we bought this house, there was an in-ground hot tub. It almost looked like a small swimming pool that was broken and had a leak. And so we technically filled it in, in that it is filled in with gravel and has a rug over it. And we're treating it as our outdoor dining space. But the combination of an outdoor rug and a pit full of gravel is, um, you know, as the kids say, not it. Uh, <laughs> it's like a booby trap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's when I open it up and people see what's underneath, it's, <laughs> you know, it's fun to surprise people. Um, anyway, we're just finding it's not really a cheap project in terms of labor. So I'm hoping to find a good deal on some cement tile for the space. We're going to kind of almost make a rug out of tile. I'm pretty good about stretching my dollars, but this is my forever home. I mean, you're going to have to take me out of this house in a box. Like it's my forever home. Uh, And this is a really permanent installation. So I'm just trying to like really weigh the cost, you know, versus yeah, just 
I'm going to have to look at this for the next, hopefully, 50 years. Take you out in a box? Oh, no. <laughs> Gosh, Marianne, this got dark. <laughs> I thought the B word we were talking about today was budget, not burial. <laughs> okay. So anyways, I'm invested in this story now. So you've got a pit in your backyard. Used to be a hot tub. You're going to fill it with an outdoor rug. But the hope is that somehow it stays within your budget. Yeah, that's the hope because that is true. We use this space, um, I would say like eight months of the year. So we got to get it right. But anyway, someone who knows a lot about prioritizing and designing on a budget is our first guest today, Tiffany Brooks. Tiffany is such a delightful person. She was the winner of HGTV Design Star Season 8. You've seen her on Rock the Block. She and David Bromstead made like my favorite team ever. And now she has a brand new show on HGTV and Discovery Plus, 50K Three Ways. Now, I do want to make a technical note. Tiffany and I were battling, I don't know, Mercury and retrograde or something. And we both had some pretty critical issues with our audio. So this is not, you know, the best audio quality, but I really want you guys to stick it out because Tiffany is so charming. She has the best advice. We cannot let technology beat us. Anyway, here's my chat with Tiffany. Tiffany, welcome to HGTV Obsessed. Finally, I'm excited. <laughs> I know. I am so excited. I, um, no lie, have had you on our list since our first episode because I've been such a huge fan of yours since you won Design Star. And you're just always a part of the network. You're doing Smart Home or you're doing Rock the Block. But now you have your own show. Yes, I do have my own show. I blew up backwards on HGTV. I did. I blew up backwards. So I won Design Star, obviously. And then I started with the special when normally the season hosts are given the special. So I felt like I was giving the big boy britches early on. They're like, here, put these pants on, girl. Let's see what you can do. And then they asked me to design Smart Home. And I'm like, okay, so I'm designing and hosting. So yeah, that keeps me busy. And then finally, da, 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 my own show. it's like they really did. They threw you into the, into the deep end. So then by the time you get your own show, you're like, I can do this. Right. It was like, okay, <laughs> this is easy. So for everyone listening, who's not familiar with Tiffany, which where have you been? Like what, what rock do you live under? Tiffany was the winner of season eight of Design Star. She just recently competed on Rock the Block, which I really want to talk about. She designs the HGTV Smart Home. What is the number one thing you learned on all of these shows, whether you're a competitor or just thrown into designing a whole house? Okay, first of all, not to take yourself too seriously. It's interior design. We cannot take yourself too seriously. And as far as competition goes, if you're thinking of it, if you're thinking of this grandiose idea and you have all these ideas in your head, your competitor has, has already thought of it. So do better. Those are the two things I can tell anyone. Those are the two tips that that's all you need. <laughs> 
It's so true. I tell people all the time when we're working on HGTV Handmade, I'm like, there's so rarely a truly unique idea. Like it is one in a million. So Rock the Block this season was so incredible. I literally watched every second of every episode and you and David Bromstead together are just (laughs) magical. I was like, I want this show. I want the David and Tiffany show. A lot of people have said that, like, and on our social, we need a David and Tiffany show. (laughs) That's what's needed. Like the fashion alone, the wallpaper. I mean, what was your favorite memory of being on the show? And I have to ask, because I know Allison Victoria has famously said she will never do it again. Would you do it again? Okay, so I have an on-cam memory and I have an off-cam memory. So my absolute favorite, I'll say the on-cam memory first, is when Tark and Heather were judging our kitchen. And he was dead set against the green. But Ray raved on camera about how much he loved Nate and Jeremiah's green kitchen. I know it's a twisted memory, but that was my favorite thing. It like justified my kitchen. It was like, yeah, our kitchen should have won. Bam, right there. He said it. He loved Nate and Jeremiah's. It was even the same shade of green. So bam, that was my favorite on-cam moment. Now off camera, it's going to go a little bit deep, but you saw a little bit of it at the finale. David was crying. Do you remember seeing that? Everyone was so emotional. We were, but we had a moment before that off camera. And I believe it was in David's trailer. It was in David's trailer. We all were sitting in there, all the competitors. And it was before that they had announced that Mika and Brian were the winners. And we were just sitting there, all of us, all emotional together, realizing what we had just accomplished. Like we just put together four houses poured in all of our creativity, all of our emotions, all of our everything that we had in us. And David just started crying, which caused all of us just to give him a group hug. It was like David Bromstead. He is the strongest, snarkiest, sassiest thing on the network right now. He will tell it like it is. He is also a barrel of fun, but he just became a soppy mess and it just caused this chain reaction of emotions. It was awesome. It was awesome. Oh, you could really see that. You could, I mean, I was like, oh my God, I'm about to cry. Like (laughs) these these are pros. Like these are the biggest stars on HGTV, the most accomplished designers in America. And everybody was just a puddle. It was, it was so sweet to watch, but I noticed you sidestepped the real question of, would you do it again? Oh yeah, I did. Okay. So here's the thing. I would do it again. I would change some things but I definitely would do it again. I did not want to do it when I first did it. So that's the funny part. I did not want to do it. So I went into there like, eh, I really don't want to do this, but I am going to do it. So I guess I got to just put my big girl britches on. But now that I've done it before and I had the most fun I have had since Design Star, yeah, I would do it again. You really could tell that you and David were having the most fun. I mean, and that house was I mean, the most fun. It was the most fun. And that's one thing that me and David talked about going into the show. Like I went in there like, oh my God, we got to win this. We went into this 
thinking that at least I did. I wanted the W. I wanted the sash. I wanted to, the tiara. I wanted to be prom queen of rock the block. Okay. So David, the first the first conversations with David is like, honey, if we just have fun. We're already winners. We won Design Star, you know, two wins between us. All we have to do is have fun and it will be fine. So Bromstad kind of calmed me down. And, you know, he would be that person that diluted my competitive edge because I was just like so serious and my hair would be sweated out almost almost (laughs) after every episode. And I was just taking this so seriously, almost to the point where I stopped having fun. But David was that one that would shake me out of it and be like, yeah, girl, it calmed down. So, yes, <laughs> I would do it again. I would do it again. And Bromstad and I did have a gang of fun, the most fun. Oh, yes. my God. I love that. <laughs> I love that he's the one that, like, calmed you down and helped you not take it so seriously. But he was not afraid to throw some, like, serious shade and, like, tell Nate and Jeremiah <laughs> that their designs look like a loaf of bread. I laughed out loud it was more than that it was like he would refer to their living room as a croissant it was just like i mean yeah david david was the shadiest he gets the shadiest shady boots award and i would call him shady boots every episode i was like you are shady boots today honey oh my god i do want to just you know, brag on you a little bit. You were recently named Architectural Digest Top 100 Designers in 2021. What an accomplishment. I mean, have you even come down from cloud nine yet? No, that's a hard thing to calm down from. That is like hashtag goals, like life goals. It's a small, exclusive group of designers and architects on the AD 100 list. And to be able to go to my grave and saying that my work, my creative energy and everything that I have built, you know, and I get to say this about myself forever and ever and ever. It's 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 a big deal to me. And it means it means a lot. It, it really is up there with the day that I won Design Star. It's up there with that right there on that shelf. So it was a huge deal. It is uh, a huge deal. It yes. still is. And it is going to frame my career. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you do. You. you have such a unique style, not just for HGTV, but I feel like in the design world in general, and you kind of describe your style as classic with a twist. You know, what are a couple of things we can always find in a Tiffany Brooks design space? So you will always find humor. And I think that's mostly where I like the twists to be. Like, I like to use crazy art. I will inject like mannequin body parts in there and just just weird isms. And then you'll all you'll often find not so weird things like things like I love to use things that the family already has and make that a focal point because they bought it for a reason. Even if it's just something what people consider small as a small as a family photo, give me access to your family photo albums. I'd like to make that as special as possible. And another oh, thing I that love you that. also, yes, I always put family photos in anybody's home because the, it, it needs that. It's I hate doing cold spaces and there are things that make it less cold. That's one of them. Um, another thing that that you will always always see in my spaces are trees and live plants. That's what that's another way I inject life back into the spaces because design spaces can be so cold and so it looks so formal and so finished and almost just so precious and in a box. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of deconstructing that and making it messy so people 
oh, look at the room. They're like, oh my God, that's an amazing finished room. But I want to go in there and I want to dive in on that sofa and watch TV in this amazing finished room. And that's where the skill set comes in. You have to be able to deconstruct it and make that room livable and stylish at the same time. I love that. So most recently, and, and the reason we really are here to talk to you, you are the host of the brand new HGTV show, 50K Three Ways, which is such a perfect fit for you. And also, this is our budget episode. We're really talking about getting the most bang for your buck. You know, what can you tell us about the show? Because I cannot believe what you squeeze out of $50,000. It's hard. You know, it's a lot of reusing and taking stock of what the homeowner has and then making the most sense. Like, how can we stretch this floor plan and make the most sense of the flow of this room just to serve the homeowners better in the most inexpensive way. So I often go in there and I'll tackle a main bedroom and bath suite looking for a smart wall to put plumbing on, the least expensive wall to move the plumbing. Sometimes we keep all the utilities in place and only replace things aesthetically, you know, if the floor plan is working well. So we definitely do come in there knowing how big of a challenge it is to perform, you know, a project like a kitchen rental. In today's times, $50,000 is a lot, but it gets you very little in the renovation world nowadays. So we do have to be smart on how we're spending every single cent on this show. Yeah. I mean, $50,000 is a lot of money. I mean, I think everyone can agree on that. Is that about the average budget for home renovations? Yeah. People typically come to us with right around $50,000 as a start. And they typically want us to touch their kitchen and an adjoining space with that, or it's a main bedroom, main bath space with that, or it's their exteriors, or it could be simple decorative touches throughout the house. You know, maybe it's a laundry room, a powder room, bath, and a mud room they want us to do for that amount. So yeah, usually the the homeowners are coming in with $50,000 and a plethora of projects they want done in their home. So basically what I'm doing is I'm helping them drive a car to figure out how to spend the 50 grand. One thing that I think is so amazing about this show is that a lot of HGTV designers, they just, they have like a space to make over and they make a plan and they do it. You literally make three different design plans in every episode that really stretches every dollar for these homeowners. And that just overwhelms me to even think about trying to make three different design plans. So like, what's your first move once you see their space and know their budget? So I have to first come in and see the space and understand what they're talking about and wrap my head around that and then feel the space out. Once I connect to see all of their beats with all of the spaces that I'm being shown and I see where they're coming from and I try to understand it, one space hits me a little bit harder than the rest of them. And then the other spaces, I'm like, okay, they don't like it, but I have an, I have some opportunity to be a little bit creative here with a whole bunch of coverings. And then usually we even have spaces that are under budget. So I can really hone in and throw some custom things on there. But there are spaces that I feel that aren't working in the house more so than others. So that allows me to really flex my design intentions. And then other times I'm just able to be super creative. And then other times I have to be a little bit more functional. So I guess, depending on the space, I get sources of creativity 
from everywhere. And I start from basically what the homeowners are telling me their issues are. And I've noticed the homeowners don't always agree on the space that they want to make over. And you kind of have to play therapist while you're also playing designer. You know, how how do you handle playing design therapist and, and walking these homeowners through these big decisions? You know what? It's crazy because if you ask any designer in America that same question, that do they have to play counselor or therapist, they will overwhelmingly say yes. Spending $50,000 is a big, stressful ball of decision. And spending it in one womp definitely can cause stress in relationships. And sometimes these people really do not know when they come to see me the day that they have to make the decision, what they're going to do. Other homeowners really come in knowing that they want their kitchen done. They want their bedroom and bathroom done. They come in knowing that and there's very little I can do to talk them out of it because they've been thinking about it since I left. But there are those homeowners, I would say about half of them that really have no idea. So I have to play therapist like, okay, let's think about the valuation of the property. Let's think about if you're going to sell it within the next five years. Let's think about all of these other factors to help you make that decision. So yeah, you do play therapist. Is there a room that people typically choose to renovate the most often? I have a guess. Is it the kitchen? Oh, girl, it is hands down the kitchen. It's because, you know, we we are taught to think that you will be able to pull the most value out of your kitchens and your main bedrooms and bathrooms. So yes, people definitely tackle the kitchens first. And the age of us being at home and not being able to dine out and enjoy that experience so much, overwhelmingly, people want a chef's kitchen. People want to be able to do the latest and greatest in their kitchen and the highest tech. So hands down. Yeah, I have to say, I was very pleased. We we did a full kitchen renovation two years ago, and it has been awfully nice now that I am the only takeout that we have on yes. order. <laughs> Nice. (laughs) So you've touched on this a little bit about when you're updating, you know, how people do want to keep value in mind, not just aesthetics, and they have to think about resale value and everything. Are there updates that tend to add the most value to a home? Yes. So there are updates that make your home more sellable, basically more marketable. And there are updates that will make your home more valuable. And you're winning if both of them are of the same category. Um, exterior curb appeal is a big one. People are wanting to not only have that curb appeal, but enjoy their exteriors too. So think about doing some hardscaping outside. Think about actually having areas of functioning entertainment, the outdoor kitchens, you know, maybe adding a water feature, landscaping, gardens, adding a sound system out there, possibly adding a television. This actually adds more livable square footage to your house is is taking the taking what you have inside and bringing them out for outdoor entertaining purposes. That's one way to add value. Obviously, the kitchen. If you're in the Midwest with me, you probably have a basement space. I suggest you look into finishing off that basement space, especially if you're going to resell your home. It's one of those things that you're adding livable square footage to, but you're also making your home more sellable because you've already finished off that basement space. And I can tell you that the homeowners who are looking for homes with the basement want them finished. Yeah, I have to say the basement challenge and rock the block. 
I think was my favorite. I loved seeing what everyone, what everyone did with those spaces. So obviously with budget comes a lot of compromise. What in your opinion is one thing homeowners should never compromise on? So it, it definitely depends on the room. I would say never, ever, ever compromise on anything that is built in and anything that sacrifices function. For example, if you're redoing your kitchen and you're a huge cook and you know you need a six burner room, you know you need a six burner, don't buy a four burner. You will never be happy with your kitchen. So you really have to think about your priorities and exactly how you want your spaces to function. All right. I want to do like a rapid fire room by room, like where okay. you think, where you think we should splurge, where you okay. think we should save. So okay. let's start kitchen splurge or save. Definitely splurge. Agree. Splurge on appliances, save on cabinets if they're good. See, look at me getting specific. You're so good. Okay. I feel like yeah, we're okay. getting like yes. a, a okay. primer. All right. Living area. Splurge on storage and built-ins save on reupholstering chairs if they're still good and in sofas. All right. Main bedroom. Splurge on lighting. Splurge on your lighting scheme in the main bedroom. It's one of the darkest spaces and you need the most light in there. And then save on your bed frames. You can get totally creative with your bed frames. Here's where you think outside the box. Love it. What about bathroom? I would say splurge on your lighting in there, also in your shower experience. I have been totally into that. And save on your cabinetry. There are so many vintage cabinets out there that you can use as vanities, and it would look amazing. Yeah, it looks better than custom. Okay, finally, laundry room. I would say save on your washer and dryer, especially if you bought them, they're already energy saving. So save on them, try to reuse those and then splurge on your layout. That's another thing that function cannot be avoided. If the function and the layout of your laundry room is, is not working for you, then you need to splurge on getting cabinetry, getting countertops, getting a folding station, getting the proper plugs, getting charging stations, Definitely make that one of the most functional rooms in your house. Totally agree. My laundry room is also our mudroom. And it's the first time I've ever had like a proper mudroom. And it's a real game changer. All right, Tiffany, before we let you go, we cannot let you leave without you giving your thoughts in one of our favorite segments, Defend the Trend. All right. So in the Rock the Block finale, we saw you and David use a really cute peel and stick wallpaper for the bathroom, which then kind of turned on you when you tried to remove it from the wall and it peeled the drywall off. So I have to ask, you know, peel and stick design options like wallpaper and tile, they're all the rage because they're easy. I say easy in air quotes, budget friendly. And in theory, non-committal alternative to more permanent options. Do you think these temporary solutions come off as cheap or do you think they're here to stick around? Sorry. <laughs> Good <laughs> that, that was okay. terrible. In our defense, peel and stick wallpapers do work. We just stuck it or we just tried to remove it too close to when we painted. So we literally painted that room and put up a peel and stick wallpaper. So in our defense, the peel and stick wallpaper worked. 
And I do think that these, I do think these conveniences, I wouldn't call them trends. I do think that these conveniences definitely have a market and there is a certain place for them. Removable wallpaper is here to stick around. Oh my gosh, Tiffany, you are so delightful. I already am planning on when we can have you back because I know, you know, you're one of the hardest working people on HGTV. You'll be on seven more things before the end of the year, but where can everyone find you on social media and where can we all watch 50K Three Ways? So 50K Three Ways premieres April 26th on Discovery Plus, and it will also be on HGTV on April 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. You can find me on Instagram, Tiffany Brooks Interiors. You can follow me on Facebook under Tiffany Brooks HGTV folks. All right. Well, Tiffany, I can't wait to have you back, and I cannot wait to watch more of this show. Yay. See you soon. I just love me some Tiffany Brooks. I have to say that moment in Rock the Block where they started peeling that wallpaper off and all of the paint and drywall started coming off with it. I I mean, I literally felt like sick to my stomach. It was extremely stressful. So I'm really glad that she defended the trend of peel and stick wallpaper because uh, that was not a pretty sight. Yeah, that moment was terrifying. And that wallpaper was so cute. It had like little divers on it, right? It was the perfect bathroom wallpaper, but it was, yeah, it wasn't, it made me me scared of it. But um, Marianne, do you have any peel and stick in your house? Do you stick to traditional? Like, have you tried this trend? What are your thoughts? Mm. Uh, Well, in case you guys are wondering if Brad just if his voice just got a lot higher. That's our other producer, <laughs> Madeline. That's the other voice of God. Um, yes, I do have some peel and stick wallpaper. So we have one bathroom that we did not renovate. It has this very retro, like everything is avocado green and the tile is this um, kind of Moroccan green shape. And we just decided to lean into it. So we put up this almost green black um, jungle cheetah print peel and stick wallpaper in that bathroom. And it's really a statement maker. I will say um, my husband really passionately wanted to do this himself and he will not ever do it again, both because he hated it and because it's not perfect. Okay. It's hard to be married to someone like me because I am just going to sit there and analyze every single spot where the pattern doesn't line up. And you know, guys, we've been together for 18 years. Like he should know me by now. He should know that I am going to care. I care so much. I, so I love wallpapers in small spaces. So like bathrooms, closets, I'm thinking about putting some in my office at work because it's temporary and I can just like put it up there, have it in the background of my Zoom calls, and then I can take it down when I need to. But the idea of getting it up and getting everything perfect and having to cut it intimidates me a little bit. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I will say a lot of people, I think, have the misconception that peel and stick wallpaper is less expensive. I have not found that to be the case. I think it's pretty pricey. The nice thing about it is most of them are vinyl, so they're repositionable. But the other thing, the other caveat I would put out there is it does not work with any kind of texture 
on the wall. You need just the right surface or it literally just won't stick or everything will show and that won't look good. But it's fun. I mean, it's a fun trend. It's not permanent. As someone who had to take wallpaper off of every single wall in this house, um, it's certainly a lot easier to remove than the real stuff. Uh, anyway, we could literally keep talking about peel and stick wallpaper forever, but I really want to get to our next interview because we are talking to Kelly Wilkness from the Decorating Tips and Tricks podcast. And you want to talk about someone with a wealth of knowledge when it comes to decorating, but especially decorating on a budget. Kelly is your girl. She also is like my new best friend. So let's get to it. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today for our budget episode. But before we get into that, Ooh. I know I know you have a lot to say on uh, about <laughs> the B word, but I want to talk a little bit about your amazing blog. You are one of the hosts of the Decorating Tips and Tricks podcast, which has published over 450 episodes which is just really a feat in and of itself. <laughs> um, it is kind of amazing when we think about how did we do all of that? A lot of talking, a lot of talking about decorating. Yeah, well, there's so much to say, right? And then that's not enough. You're also the author of a blog and YouTube channel, My Soulful Home, and the author of at least one book that I know of, A, a Year in Flowers. Before we get started, what is your background and how did you become this authority in the interior decorating space? Well, I started out as a busy lawyer with a passion for designing my own homes and gardens. And it was my joy, my stress relief, creative outlet. And then we had a big move across the country from New York to California. And it gave me an opportunity to sort of change careers. And so I did what, you know, it may be cliche, but I followed my bliss. And I started renovating the home we were living in. I got some local clients. And then I decided I was going to start my blog. And things just led, one thing led to the other. The blog led to the podcast, which led to the book sort of around the same time. And then the YouTube channel. So, you know, it's been a, I don't want to say the word journey. It has <laughs> it's been a, <laughs> But it has been a bit of a journey. Yes. Well, and I mentioned how prolific you are. And in all of these podcast episodes and blogs and YouTube videos, is there one specific piece of advice that has been the most popular or that has really resonated with your audience? Well, they love the tours, but you know, doing a podcast, it's not visual. We were a little concerned in the beginning, like, how are we going to convey this information in an audio format? But what it really turns out to be is people really want concrete, actionable tips and advice and inspiration that they can then translate into their own spaces. Whether it's the podcast, if we call anything tips and tricks, or, you know, we have five ideas for you to transform your living room, people love that. And I found that is also true in my YouTube channel, that if I'm giving design tips and advice, even it's just listing them down, people want to jump on that information and then translate it into their own spaces. Yes, it is interesting, right? That was one of the first things that we were asked when we said we wanted to do a podcast for HGTV. Everyone was like, how do you talk about 
what a room looks like. Like, how do you talk about the shade of blue, you know, that I have in my office? And I was like, well, exactly. It's so much more. You can, you can visualize so much and that offering that service, answering those questions. That's what people really want. I agree. And that's really what we found throughout the podcast. We don't talk so much about, hey, look at that painting that's hanging on my wall, because obviously the people are not seeing that painting. But when you describe how you can transform your own spaces with something that you describe with words, then people can translate it. And it's almost better because sometimes if you see an image, whether it be on Instagram or Pinterest or YouTube or someone's blog, and you think, oh, gosh, I can't get that exactly right in my own space. And, you know, it's just not going to translate. But when you hear it, you can take all the information and then maybe have the overlay of your own home. So I think it makes it almost easier, which is sort of counterintuitive. Yeah, it's so true. So I mentioned at the top that this is our budget episode. And I know you actually recently had a an episode of your own podcast about decorating on a budget. This is something I think that really resonates with the HGTV audience focusing on creative ways to bring in that high style to your home at a lower cost. What is your personal approach to decorating within a budget? Yeah, budget is really important. No matter you know what your budget is, everybody wants to get the best look for the least amount of money. So I really focus on a mix of highs and lows. So you're going to mix it up. Not everything in the room is going to be super expensive. And the way to do that, that's so much fun and so reasonable and within just about everyone's budget is thrifting. Thrifting and spray paint. Spray paint (laughs) is magic in a can. And if you combine the two, you know, you find a little table or something at a thrift store and then you spray paint it. Well, you've got the best of both worlds. But you can focus on those accent pieces, the smaller pieces, and really get them for a song and then focus on your investment pieces. And then at the end of the day, you're going to stay within budget. You just really like spoke to me, to my soul. (laughs) Because (laughs) I feel like thrifting and spray paint might as well be like my Instagram bio of those. (laughs) But it's so true, though. And it's really the, the quickest way to have a unique collected space that is just yours that doesn't look like what everyone else has. Oh, the collected look is the way to go. And I love that sort of overall term because there was eclectic for many years. And then, you know, it was farmhouse. It was this and there was very specific looks. But the collected look is something that you collect over time, too. You don't get the collected look in an afternoon. And that's another way to really stay within budget. Don't rush it. You do not have to decorate a room or certainly not a whole home in a month or a week or even a year. Collect over time. And here's a really good tip about staying within budget, but having a more high-end look. Know what the real deal looks like. If you are into antiques, go to antique stores, go to estate sales, find out, you know, what does the real antique look like? Or if you're into newer furniture or, you know, some something more modern, go to stores that carry that type of furnishings and really see what are the hallmarks of the look that I want. And once you know that, 
you'll know when you come upon one that fits your budget better. So it's a lower price point, but it's still, it's hitting all the marks. Yeah, you just have to do a little homework. You do, and it's fun. It is fun. And in fact, you have a YouTube video about creating a decorating plan. And you you had this great saying, um, great decorating doesn't happen by accident. And it's so true. You don't walk into a home and it's just like, oh, I don't know. I just through this together. Can you walk us through the most important steps that you take to create a decorating plan for a room? Yeah, you really have to plan. And I I do that sort of in every aspect of my life, but decorating for sure. And when you do the plan, you're also going to save money overall because you're not going to make mistakes and you're going to end up with this cohesive look and something that you love. But my first approach to any room, whether it's individual room or overall the whole home, is function. So if you start with the function, and I'll always do this with clients, who's going to be, how are you going to use this room? Who's going to be in this room? And how are they going to use it? What does this room need to do or be to support the people who live there? And I think if you start with that, then everything else will fall into place. And if you can't answer that question right away, hold tight, hang out, live in the space, especially if it's a house or apartment or condo that you've just moved into. Take some time to see how you're living in the space because before you're in there, you might have a whole different idea of what that room is going to be all about. Yeah, that's so true. But aside from planning entire rooms, you know, let's say we just want to have a little space refresh, you know, a corner or the top of a dresser. What are some of your go-to tricks for leveling up a space without breaking the bank? You know, when we're not focusing on the bigger picture perfect time of year to do this. Everybody wants a little refresh in the springtime. So here's a really simple one and very budget friendly. Subtract some things. Most of us, probably myself included, have too much furniture. So see if there's something that you can take out of a room. Then take a look again. See how it feels to you. And certainly purge any clutter and get that all out of the space. So that is going to give you an instant, completely free refresh. Easy, inexpensive refreshes are also pillow covers. You can get them from so many sources. If you've got some good inserts, just zip them off and put the new covers on. Lampshades, if you've got some dated lampshades, I say go drum. You can't really go wrong. Get the right size shade, of course, but that can really transform a space. Even if something as simple as a new throw in a pop color, and it can be pretty inexpensive. You know, maybe you're just going to have a pop of pink or a pop of bright yellow or something for the spring. Add that into a room and it can completely transform it. If you want to go a little more designy, get yourself a tray and then create a vignette. Have three different pieces at a minimum, different heights and different textures, but things that speak to you, things that are going to add personality to your space. And that's a great thing, as you mentioned, an entryway. I have a tray on my entryway table and I change it out for the seasons. I call a spot like that in my house a decor hotspot. It's easy to change up. I always have the tray and then I can switch it out, whether it's the holidays or I want a spring refresh or something like that. And also you can just refresh with some new flowers, put them in a vase and there you go. Oh, yes, it is. uh, We are really getting into flower season here and I'm so thrilled. But I love the idea of a decor hotspot of thinking of these vignettes as something that can always be tweaked and played with and uh, changed for the season. Do you have some go-to textures or finishes that you love that instantly make a room feel more elevated or just like a little more expensive? 
Yeah, natural fibers will do that. A really good linen that's going to have some texture and some heft in the hand, that really can make a statement in a room. If it's colder weather or you're in a colder climate, maybe some velvets or just one pillow in a fabric that you love. I have this one fabric that I absolutely adore. It's super expensive. And so I have one pillow in it, but that pillow really elevates the entire space. I also love a little touch of gold and every room can always benefit with a touch of black. So even if you're adding that in in a really simple, small way, like black frames for photos, or you, maybe you spray paint a little side table black or something like that, adding black to a space, and people are hesitant to do that, adding black to a space can really elevate the whole look. I agree. Um, that's one of my favorite colors to decorate with. Marianne, you and I have to be best friends well, because I, we are obviously soulmates. I think we just became best friends. I think that's what just happened. But yes, I mean, I just, everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Like preach it to the masses. I, I love it. So we talked a little bit about flowers and I, I do want to come back to that because I, I'm, as I literally sit here with my like peonies that I went and cut this morning. Oh, I'm so jealous. You can't have peonies in California. It doesn't get cold enough, which is such a bummer. So I can buy them at the grocery store, but I can't grow them here. I know. I always tell one of my best friends lives in LA and I always say, well, in exchange, we can't grow lemons in the ground here in East Tennessee. So there's a trade-off. Okay, true. That is true. You have amazing (laughs) uh, citrus trees. But I do want to talk about your book, um, My Soulful Home, A Year in Flowers, because it's just all about cutting, preserving, and arranging flowers for your home. And I know that our HGTV audience, you know, the G in HGTV is for garden and everyone is really ready to get out there and fresh flowers are going to start making an appearance inside. What are some practical tips you share in the book? Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. That is how you're going to preserve your flowers in a vase. And so, yes, as you mentioned, the book is all about creating floral arrangements. And there's a chapter about creating your own cutting garden and things like that. But the overall message of the book is how to create beautiful arrangements and make them last inside your home. So what you want to do is hydrate your flowers. And when you buy them at the grocery store or some of these, they may have been sitting in this bucket flat on the bottom of the bucket for a day or two or even longer. As soon as you walk in the door, as soon as possible, give them a fresh cut and put them in some water in a dark or darker area, darker corner, and let them just chill for a little bit and let them rehydrate. And the best way to get the cut on your flowers is to invest. And when I say invest, it's a very small investment, like maybe under $30. Get yourself a good pair of floral shears because it makes such a difference. When you make a fresh, clean cut with floral shears, it cuts the stem of the flower in a way that allows the, and we don't have to get too technical, but there's a sort of a channel from all the way up the stem, from the base of the stem up to the top of the flower, and the water has to travel up. And so if there's any impediment to that, that's when your flowers are going to wilt and flop and you know have to go in the trash. So you want to keep that uh, waterway open and then you want to allow the flowers to soak up as much water as possible. And if you're going to do a simple arrangement, just let them hydrate for an hour or so and then you, you can put them out on your table. But if you're going to do an elaborate arrangement and be moving them around a lot, then I would say let them sit for a few hours, fully hydrate, and then you can 
get them and get the vase you're going to use. Then you can make the different cuts that you need to actually create the arrangement. And in the book, I have 12 different arrangements that you can either follow or you can sort of get inspiration for. And one is for each month of the year. Oh, I love that. We will make sure to put a link to Kelly's book um, in the show notes at HGTV. Oh, thank you. Yeah, at HGTV.com slash podcast. You know, flowers are just like us, right? We all need water, um, a little yes. a little haircut, and to be put in a <laughs> to be put in a dark room occasionally. At least that's how I feel. I love it. I never really thought about it that way, but it is so true. <laughs> so um, Kelly, you obviously have such a wide variety of design inspiration. You know, where do you go to recharge your creative batteries? You know, are you a Pinterest person? Or, you know, do you keep it old school with magazines? You know, where do you find your design inspiration? Well, it sounds kind of cliche to say everywhere, but it's true. There's inspiration everywhere, whether you're walking down the street or, or, you know, if you're in a shop, if you can go back to shops right now, certainly Pinterest, Instagram is a wonderful place. But here's what I say too. With regard to inspiration, while it's so wonderful, sometimes there's a little too much of a good thing and people can experience overwhelm or they can feel that what they're seeing is unattainable and that kind of bums them out. Don't approach it that way. And a good way to avoid that is to really know the space that you're thinking about decorating, designing, renovating. If you like this kind of thing, you've got your house in mind all the time. Like, oh, you see something. Oh, that might be great for my whatever. So think about your own spaces, really study your own space as well. So then when you're out in the wild and you're getting all this inspiration or you're scrolling through Instagram or filling up boards on Pinterest, then you can sort of focus on what will work in your home rather than being sort of all over the place, being inspired by all different things, and then experiencing that feeling of overwhelm. So curate the universe for yourself. And I do use Pinterest. I love it. I used to be on there a lot more for my blog than I am now, but the way I use it now is for clients. So I do a lot of virtual consults or I have local clients and I'll create a secret Pinterest board with them. And so I'll curate the universe for them and we can share it back and forth. So Pinterest is a wonderful tool, whether you're using it with someone else or for yourself and for your own home. Curate the universe for yourself. Um, That feels like it should be like on an inspirational poster somewhere. (laughs) But it is hard when you work in this field and when you love interiors. Like I just I just love interiors. And I sometimes joke that I need like a separate house that I can decorate all Hollywood Regency. And I need another house that can be like my Pendleton fish camp, you know, (laughs) log cabin of dreams Um, because you can't cram it all into one space. You could try, but it does get a little overwhelming. Yeah. 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 The uh, buy what you love does have a limitation. You know, you really can't have the fishing camp and the Hollywood Regency (laughs) working together. Uh, Maybe a little touch somewhere, but yeah, I agree with you. I need about eight different houses. This is why I love having clients because I can do something totally different in their space and that can scratch that itch for myself as well (laughs) as getting them a beautiful space. Yeah. I have to say now I'm like, maybe that's what I need. I just need to start decorating my 
friends' houses. I mean, they all want me oh, to. Yeah. They all want me to. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure they do. All right. So, Kelly, while we have you here, we we couldn't let you leave without having you answer a couple of our listener questions because no, I hope they're not hard. <laughs> oh, I I think they are in your wheelhouse. We would never throw a total curveball <laughs> at you. <laughs> so the first one comes from Madeline, and Madeline is, I think, facing the dilemma that so many of us are, especially over the past year, which is the working from home life. And, you know, if you don't have a dedicated office where you can close the door and stash all, you know, your laptop and charger away, if you have to work, you know, on your kitchen counter or dining room table, do you have any tips on how to stylishly stow away your laptop and charger and work items to where they're still accessible, but not just like this eyesore because I hate cords more than anything. Oh, we really were separated at birth. I hate <laughs> cords. I, I despise them. Even on my backsplash in my kitchen, yes. I have I don't have any outlets. <gasps> I did a plug mold underneath the cabinet so you don't see them. That's such a great idea. So you don't see the outlet. So then therefore you don't really see the cords because they're hidden. So anyway, back to your question. Yes, that is a real challenge for so many people, especially now. And it is stressful to have your work out on the dining room table or on the kitchen table. And it's just always there looking at you, kind of calling to you, right? Because now we're all working home. You could work 24-7. So you should have a place where you can put it and you don't have to see it. And it should be lovely. So how about if you've got a laptop, say a charger, maybe some notes some pens, what have you, how about getting a large size tray? Now you could buy a beautiful tray and you can then slide it under your sofa or under your bed, or maybe that's not good Frank show, put it someplace else, maybe <laughs> not under your bed, but put it somewhere where it's accessible. And maybe even there is an outlet behind that piece of furniture or something. So if you needed to be charging over the night or something, you could be doing that. And then you slide it all out and it's all there for you in the morning. So you're not running around looking for a charger or a pen or something like that. So it's kind of like your little mobile office. And if you didn't want to purchase a tray or your stuff was kind of odd shaped, how about a box and you decorate it so then you can have a fun, creative afternoon decorating your box. We are all getting zillions of boxes right at our doorstep all the time, <laughs> maybe find something. Something. I mean, I would think like maybe a large shirt box or something might be a good size. But if you have a bigger computer, maybe you need something a little bit bigger. You could cover it with pretty uh, wrapping paper or wallpaper or you could spray paint it. And so you could create your own little office. But I think a tray would be super easy and the other one would be super fun to create as well. But I think they would both serve that same purpose. Yes, exactly. That out of sight, out of mind. Because if I even see my laptop, my mind just goes to work. We have one more question from Danielle. So Danielle writes, my husband and I recently sold our home and almost all of the furniture in it. We are basically starting wow. from scratch. And I'm curious, what are pieces we should invest in and where are areas we can save? And I think your previous tip about looking for vintage um, fits in here as well. Oh, yes, definitely. Well, first of all, Danielle, so exciting. And yeah, it's so easy to sell your furniture now, right? Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, wherever you can get or your neighbors, what have you. What an exciting time in your life to be starting from scratch. So thinking about things you might invest in first, I would invest in some of the major pieces. 
like a sofa. You're going to be sitting on it a lot, maybe napping on it, spending a lot of time on it. It should be comfortable and long lasting. And we don't know whether or not Daniel's going to be in this house or apartment or condo for a long time or a short time, but a sofa is something that you can take with you. So I would choose something in neutral colors, maybe get a performance fabric. So then if you are moving on to another place, it can work in that next space as well. Now, the timing that you might be in this particular home would come into play with my next possible investment, window treatments. If you're going to be there a while, I would invest in some window treatments because there is a big difference between just buying some unlined drapes and sticking them up on a rod and having something that's blind that maybe gives you the privacy and even the sun protection you might need and sort of adds a, a whole nother element to a room. And maybe you want to do natural wovens or something like that. You're going to bring in some really nice texture. That's an area that I would think about investing in if you're going to be in the home for a bit of time. Another item to invest in is a mattress. Again, very much akin to the sofa. Get something that's good and you can always take it with you if you move on, but you're going to get a lot of good night's sleep on it. Now, where you can save is, yes, thrifting, vintage, antiques, little side tables, and little accent pieces. You can also save on rugs. Do not have to spend a lot of money on rugs. Rugs come in a lot of different uh, materials, polypropylene, even those indoor-outdoor rugs are great. You don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a wool rug. And lamps. I think that lamps can be super expensive, but there are so many nice, reasonable lamps out there in the universe. I think you can go really well with getting some nice lamps, but do remember to have three sources of light in your room for really creating that feel that you want. You just don't want overhead lights and you just don't want a little side lamp. So shoot for three sources of light. That is the best advice. My husband and I, when we did our renovation, our contractor really wanted to put in um, overhead lighting. So, and it's very, you know, minimal and it's not, but we literally only turn them on when we're cleaning because you can see all the dust on the floor when they're on. Absolutely. And well, I mean, when my husband comes home, I know when he's home or was first home at night because all the overhead lights on. And we do have them a while. They're practical, but it looks like somebody's performing surgery in the house. And I go down and everything has to be on dimmers. I dim them all. I put my little lights on all over the place and it just transforms the space so, instantly. It's so true. Well, Kelly, uh, this has been so delightful. Before you go, I just want you to tell everyone again where we can find you on social and how we can listen to your incredible podcast, Decorating Tips and Tricks. Well, Decorating Tips and Tricks is available on any podcast player. You can even ask your Alexa to play Decorating Tips and Tricks, and she'll do it straight away. As far as me on My Soulful Home, that's the name of my blog, and My Soulful Home on Instagram, My Soulful Home also on YouTube. And my book is, as you mentioned, um, My Soulful Home, A Year in Flowers. And I would love to connect with any of your listeners, whether it be on the podcast or elsewhere. Come over, say hi. And uh, leave me a comment or let us know that you're enjoying the podcast. And I love this podcast. So I'm so glad to know of it because you guys take a lot of walks with me and my dogs. I love HGTV Obsessed. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I think that um, we we have basically established that we are design soulmates. And I really look, <laughs> I really look forward to chatting with you again in the future. I hope you come back. Thank you so much, Marianne. This was really wonderful. Thank you. My goodness. 
Kelly Wilkness and Tiffany Brooks in one episode. I mean, it's just too much goodness. So many nuggets of information about budget decorating on the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed this budget-themed episode today on HGTV Obsessed. Once again, a special thanks to Tiffany Brooks for sharing her expertise with us. You can catch her amazing new show, 50K Three Ways, now on HGTV and Discovery+. Plus. And thank you again to Kelly Wilkness, my new best friend of the Decorating Tips and Tricks podcast and my soulful home for her creative and insightful chat as well. As always, you can learn more about both of our guests by checking out our show notes at hgtv.com slash podcast. And you guys, if you love today's episode, you know what I'm going to say? Head over to Apple Podcasts and please rate and review HGTV Obsessed. It really, really helps us out. It helps new people find us. It just enables us to keep bringing you this, you know, semi-okay quality podcast every week. It's mostly great. We just sometimes technology fails us. No, but really please head over to Apple Podcasts to rate and review HGTV Obsessed. It really, it means so much. I want five stars from everyone listening. Don't forget to follow HGTV Obsessed wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. I'll see you guys next Thursday. Bye.